this narrator advises that the listener digest the following as entertainment. The showrunners behind it are neither six-figure filmmakers nor professional critics. They are casually critical. Welcome to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. I'm your host, Daniel Carpenter. And I'm James Newton, your co-host. So, uh, Daniel. James. You want to break the news to him? Yeah, sure. So, as you probably saw from this episode title, things are a little bit different. Uh, and I'll just say this, if you are a casually critical completionist and you've been with us since the beginning, um, how do I put this? Uh, you will not have a problem binging season four or the rest of our show because this will be the first and last episode of season four and it will be the last episode of our show. Let that sink in. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to myself. Yes. That's um, hard to take in. That's going to be okay. I wasn't saying that to you, James. I was saying that to me. It's oh. going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it may come as a shock to all of you guys. Uh, we did end season two on a very abrupt note. Uh, but James and I have been talking over the last few months about the future of the show, about the future of us as artists as people. And we wanted to share a bit of our heart with you as to why. And with all of our teasing for season four, I don't know. I'm sure you guys had questions. Um, so as best as we can, we want to share with you what we've been thinking, why we're ending our show. And if you want to stick around, we're just going to reminisce about the history of the show. And, you know, as per <laughs> casually critical, talk about some Philosophical thinkings that you could be thinking about long after this episode is done. So, James, I think playing devil's advocate, because I'd like you to kind of open up with this. Uh, if I'm a fan, I'm probably thinking right now, okay, what the heck? You guys were hyping up season four. It was going to be this big season. You guys sounded really excited. Lots of changes going on. There was a survey that came out and then it kind of stopped. Did you bite off more than you could chew? Um, would you feel overwhelmed? Like this seems like an abrupt turn of events. Well, devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> I will say it's a little bit of those things. Yeah. Um, we did bite off more than we could chew. Um, we did feel overwhelmed, but also it goes a little bit deeper than that, but maybe we'll get into that, I guess a little bit later. Sure. Um, into the, into the show. It's really what I want to, what I want to say in short is it's not, it's not you listener. It's us. <laughs> it's us. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of good reasons, a lot of things that we'll touch on here, but I guess to start on the superficial level, the 3000 foot view, I guess. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> season four, we put out a survey. Uh, we wanted to make season four the biggest we could possibly make it. So why didn't we make it, Daniel? Well, as you said, there are superficial reasons as well as deeper reasons. Uh, one of those was simply logistics. James and I 
have commitments far beyond just the podcast. We're involved in churches, uh, both of us in a ministerial capacity, and for me, a professional one as well. Um, we're involved in our own art projects that we're doing, our own creative pursuits. And uh, we had taken a hard, long look at this podcast way back. And uh, a few months ago, we decided we were going to give this everything we got because, you know, we've always talked about the numbers don't matter. And uh, that's still true. The numbers don't matter, but the numbers aren't meaningless. The numbers aren't nothing. And what the numbers told us is that not as many people seemed as interested in listening to this podcast as we were maybe expecting or hoping or some combination of the two. Especially after the amount of time that we had poured into it at that point. Yes. Yeah. And to hold down a full-time job and do a podcast episode with audio alone, at least on my end, because I do the editing, yep. it's a lot. And uh, we wanted to do better. We knew we could do better. So James and I sat down and we had a gritty kind of real conversation. And we just said, what would it look like if we decided to devote the equivalent of a part-time job's worth of hours to this podcast? Um, at that point, an average episode for me would take about six to seven hours of my life per week. That includes watching a two hour movie and then editing the episode, shortening the episode, and then publishing it onto our platforms. And uh, while not 40 hours a week, uh, that six to eight hours was not insignificant, especially if you count shows like Stranger Things season four, which is 13 hours. So suddenly you're looking at about 18 to 19 hours, depending on the show, depending on the series. Imagine you're us and you're looking over the stats of the episodes and you're thinking, okay, Stranger Things season four is a huge shark, a huge yeah. fish. Everyone's watched it. Everyone's interested. Why did this episode get less engagement? Yeah. And it was less engagement than normal, less engagement than we were expecting. And then combine that with some of our other episodes, which seem to do really well. And that's great. But we just could not find the method behind the madness. We could not determine that. And that was agonizing to us because if we do not understand what makes something successful, how can we hope to reproduce that success? And so we made a survey. We made a survey. We wanted to find out what everybody wanted, what everybody liked about the show, the most devoted listeners, there are 18 of you that filled out this survey. Um, yeah. Thank you all for doing that. Uh, your time is meaningful to us. The time that you listened to the show and the time that you filled out the survey really has been instrumental, um, yeah. not just for the podcast, but for our creative lives in general. And we'll get to that more later. But you showed us um, the things that you wanted, and we wanted to put all of those things into season four. Yes. Yeah, we uh, some of the changes we were going to make, um, one of the biggest ones actually was we were going to add a video component. So um, we actually started this. We, uh, prior to this recording, about a week or two back, actually I think it was three weeks back, Yeah. Um, we recorded a full-on episode talking about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, James and I did a lot more than that. We also, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about the fact that we completely changed our mission statement which I think was a lot better, more streamlined, captured what this podcast was about. We had a target demographic, the people we were going to reach. 
we had a new podcast cover art, which you're, you still see right now. Uh, we've changed that. That's, that looks awesome. But yes, uh, the video component was the biggest thing, uh, not just for, uh, for us in terms of adding another visual element, but also uh, in terms of what James does with social media, uh, a lot more options in terms of breaking into TikTok, breaking into YouTube, uh, reaching more platforms. And I don't know if you want to talk more about that, James, but um, sure. Yeah. I had a passion to break into the shorts game, the YouTube shorts, the Instagram reels, the TikToks, whatever you call them, short form media in a rectangular format that is yeah. vertical. <laughs> wherever whatever platform you watch those on they're on facebook too i don't know what they're called on facebook they aren't called stories they're something else maybe they're reels but anyway we wanted to get into those and we thought it would be a great organic way to grow the show and it would be a lot more time on my end daniel was already sinking a ton of hours into the show before we started the video component um yeah. now it was going to be more hours for him and then it was going to be more hours for me as well uh, with the social media and i hardly even cut my teeth with that I haven't even marketed for the hypothetical first episode of season four that never came out. Um, and already we were feeling like casually critical was a box that we needed to check every week instead of two pals who love to talk about storytelling, Daniel yeah. and I getting together, catching up, talking about life and then talking about a movie. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing and probably the most unexpected one, honestly. Uh, I started editing this Mario Brothers episode and uh, I ran into a lot of hurdles. Uh, one of them was logistical and physical. Uh, my computer is not a, uh, I'm not trying to flex here. My computer is, is spec'd up better than most. Yeah. Um, it's a higher end computer and uh, space is also an issue. Whenever you have a video software, for those of you that don't know, um, there's a cache of video data that it makes to help render the video files in your editing file easier. And, uh, my computer, it, it, all the files on it, it's taken up about five to 10% of the computer space. But as soon as I started processing these hour long 4k videos on top of each other, layered on top of each other, um, the space would immediately fill up. Um, pretty much all of the terabytes that I had on my hard drive would fill up instantly because of how much video was being processed. DaVinci would also crash often because of all the data. I don't know why DaVinci has been very reliable for me and I love DaVinci, uh, but it was starting to, to do that. And I wasn't sure why, um, to cap it all off. Some of the ideas we had were we were going to have a teaser at the beginning of each episode. Um, so like little things that we would say that would entice the audience to stay and listen to the whole episode. And uh, while that was an excellent marketing idea, and while the video certainly was an excellent idea, in practice, it started to look very different. And as James was just mentioning, psychologically, what I started to notice, and later what I realized James was feeling as well, was this was no longer something that I wanted to do. This was no longer something that I looked forward to doing. This was just a, oh, Right, we've got an episode we got to get through. Now, Daniel, uh, for the sake of our dear listeners, what if we cut out the video? What if we we didn't thrust so much energy into the marketing? What if we just did what we did with season three? Just do it all over again. Right. Um, why why are we still not doing that for season four? Doing a mm. stripped down, just sequel of season three. 
Well, I appreciate that devil's advocate and thank you for continuing to listen to the show. Uh, we greatly appreciate your feedback. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you are a listening listener and you're thinking that you're absolutely right, we could do season four like we're doing this episode right now. No video, no frills, nothing fancy. Just just make it. And this is what brings us into the deeper reason that James kind of teased at earlier, which is how the show has been affecting us. And this is something that we didn't pick up on in season one. We weren't really feeling in season two. Yeah. But when you've been doing this podcast for as long as we have, and you start to notice how it affects you and how it affects the way you see art and see yourself and your own work, there is a toll that it can take. And I want to be clear. uh, I'm not talking about podcasting in particular. I'm actually talking about movie and media criticism. To paint a small picture, uh, Daniel and I were getting lunch one of the first weeks that Daniel had moved here to Fort Wayne, which is another huge factor um, for why (laughs) we uh, don't feel the need for the podcast, because he lives here near me, and uh, we can hang out anytime we want, and we can talk about movies if we want to, or we don't have to at all. Um, But we were getting lunch, and I was talking about how I'd started to notice the critical lens that I put on whenever I watch movies doesn't just come whenever I'm watching a movie for the podcast. It comes whenever I'm watching a movie or TV show at any time in any setting with any person, whether I talk about it later or not. I don't love the way that that affected my mentality on a lot of things. Um, I became casually cynical. Mm. Uh, and that was okay in healthy doses But whenever it started to pour into other things like our creative careers, that's where it got dicey. Daniel, do you want to dive more into how that was affecting you and your creativity? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I always think of devil's advocates and I could just hear someone just saying like, oh, well, it's part of the job, right? It's it's all like criticism. Obviously, if you're making a podcast about movie criticism, then you're going to criticize, obviously. And yes, you're absolutely right. But There is a, the reason we started this podcast is because James and I were living far apart. I think, oh gosh, James was about to start an internship in Muncie, Indiana, and I was about to go on a semester, my final college semester to Los Angeles. And then after that, for the foreseeable future, possibly living in the Midwest or Austin, Texas. And there was a lot of questions we had about our future, but we wanted to stay in touch. And so we did. Um, and this podcast was an excuse for us not just to stay together, but to make something in the process of being together. What I've realized, as well as James, is that there is a difference between having fun talking about movies and criticizing movies and then being obligated to talk about and criticize movies. Every single episode we do, we don't ever want to do frivolously, we don't want to do it without a purpose. We want something to say, and we want something that our listeners can take away. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with purposeful conversation. I don't think there's anything wrong with criticism as a concept. I think we need criticism. But when the frequency of criticism overwhelms our passion, and we become, as James put, casually cynical, that becomes a problem. Because cynicism and negativity and criticism are not that special. I can look around my apartment room right now and point out all the flaws in this room, whether it's the paint, whether it's the rug, whether it's the fact that I haven't vacuumed yet. 
whether it's my organization, <laughs> I could go on, but there are so many things I could look around in this room and I could criticize. So anyone can do it, but very few people can look around their environment and praise it. Look around it and go, you know what? I kind of like this paint color. It's kind of cute. Or I like this. I, I actually really enjoy it. And there's something about that positivity. And I don't, ugh, the word positivity gets misconstrued so much in our culture today. Yeah. I'm not trying to come across as cheesy, like reject the haters and become happy. It's like, no, that what we Cut said the about negative people out of your life and <laughs> reclaim your joy. Right. Well, I mean, a good example of this is Illumination Entertainment, you know, and my brain's on that because we just recorded our Mario movie episode. Um, can you guess how we felt about the Mario movie? I'm sure you can. If you've listened to our episodes, you'll know how we felt about the Mario movie. It's not that good, guys. Come on. But this new outlook we're talking about doesn't change how we feel about movies like Illumination. It doesn't change the way we feel about complacent storytelling or shortcuts in filmmaking or marketing that dominates the creative process. What it changes is the fact that, oh, Illumination came out with a movie. I guess we should probably watch it because our listeners will want to know how we feel about it. And we've got to criticize it. And if it's yep. not Illumination, it's going to be something else. It's going to be Marvel. It's going to be hoodwinked. Yep. It's going to be anything. You know? It has to be something. We have to, to criticize something. Every week. And uh, that just wasn't healthy. Um, do you have more to add to that, James? Yeah. Um, and and I want to I wanna coax something out of you as well, because I know you had more to say when we discussed this earlier. Sure. Um, it's not just because we were being affected as people, as critics. It's because Daniel and I are more than critics. We are mm. creatives. Um, this podcast, like Daniel said, had a function and it has served its function very well. But at the, at the end of the day, Daniel and I are creative people and we want to make something. Daniel can look around, he can criticize every corner of his room, or he could say positive things about his room. But really what Daniel would do is if he saw something he didn't like in his room, he would either clean it up or he would just build an entirely different room because that's what creative people do. If you want to see something great in the media that you work in, then don't tear other people down. Create something of your own. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> I've never said this publicly before. There's a movie I... <clears throat> see, my voice cracked. My voice is like, <laughs> you're not going to say it. There's a movie I did in fifth grade called Detective Cookie, The Murder on Sigwald Street. Sigwald Street was a street near where I grew up as a kid. There have been very few people that have watched that movie. Uh, it is a movie that, again, fifth grade Daniel made. But I want to be clear. It wasn't just that. Fifth grade Daniel starred in every as every single character, save for one, which was played by my younger brother. He only appears in one to two shots. And that's it. He's gone. James is one of the few people in existence that has seen this movie and seen all of it. Cinema gold. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Here's, here's why I bring this up. Here's why I bring up Detective Cookie. Detective Cookie is one of the worst and one of the best movies that I've ever done. I went to film school and James was there as well. That's how we met. Uh, and I love, I mean, I had a great experience at, at my college. But one of the things that I didn't like, one of the things that I think was bad about it is the fact that it 
I would cave into criticism more easily and it would prevent me from just making something, you know? And I look back at Detective Cookie, which is not a perfect movie, but there's some things about it that considering I was in fifth grade, I look back on it and I go, you know what? That was actually pretty good. Or that was better than normal. That, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> but fifth grade Daniel did not care about an excellent story. He didn't care about the highest end cameras. He didn't say oh, we should probably rig out this camera with the cinema lens at least before I even go about doing this. Or I really should get a lav mic so I could hear and get good sound. Instead, he just said, no, screw it. I'm going to grab mommy's Canon power shot and go <laughs> in the backyard and pretend it's somewhere far from here because I don't have a driver's license and I'm not going to tell my mom to drive me 10 minutes away to film where I want to film. And also, I am 10 years old, so if I went anywhere, everyone would freak out and they would call the police <laughs> and assume yep. I was kidnapped. <laughs> exactly. 10-year-old Daniel did not care about where or how. He just cared about doing. And ever since then, I have been trying to get back into that mentality. And uh, this podcast, and I want to be clear, if I haven't already, this podcast is not in and of itself evil. There's been a lot of useful things that James and I have learned through the producing of this podcast. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we have looked at the fruits of this podcast and more specifically looked at the fruits of what this podcast is doing to us. Remember why we're making this media affects you, whether you know it or not. I think the way James described it is there's always dialogue between you and a movie. You just got to listen to that dialogue. Well, we got to practice what we preach and we have listened to the dialogue of making this podcast. And, uh, the last thing I'll say is this, uh, because James, you've talked about, you know, our conversation earlier today. If I hated, let's say, let's say I hated McDonald's and I said, I want McDonald's to close its doors. It's no good to be clear. I have a guilty pleasure complex when it comes to McDonald's. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately don't like it, but there are some days where I'll eat it because I'm a weak person and I have moral failings. So <laughs> Let's say I want McDonald's to just close its doors and be done. Well, I could go about that a few ways. If I uh, go to the newspapers, write a very well-written Harvard-level essay about McDonald's and why it's bad, or maybe I'm a politician or have connections in that sphere, and I go to Washington or I go to the people I need to go to, and we create a policy that's designed to eke out McDonald's and uh, make McDonald's close their doors, I can try those things. Maybe I have a podcast that reaches millions of people. Even if I have the best newspaper writing, the best podcast platform, everything like that, and I go and I attack McDonald's, what's going to happen? Maybe McDonald's closes its doors, but that's not going to change the fact that bad food will still be out there. It's not going to change the fact that people won't know where else to turn. But if I launch my own restaurant instead as opposed to the newspapers or podcasts or the politicians. And if I make my own restaurant with food that I think is good, with a restaurant atmosphere that I think is great, and I make that, that is going to do more for the food industry and good food than it would if I started complaining about it or reach some other avenue. To be clear, there are some critics that James and I both respect, and there is value in criticism. But as people that aren't just critics, but artists, there is a bigger difference that we can make by doing better art rather than just highlighting the bad or wishing there was better out there. There are a lot of critics that we really love to listen to, and 
pay attention to because they're drinking the same Kool-Aid as us. They believe in critical <laughs> thinking. They believe in not buying into the franchises and the star power and whatever other things that drives Hollywood machine uh, nowadays. But those critics don't have the same creative skills that Daniel and I do. Those critics can't illustrate like me. Those critics can't make movies like Daniel. They often wish and in their more intimate recordings of themselves, they can be heard wishing that they could make movies, but they'll just do the second best thing and criticize movies because it's a passion. They love movies. They can't make them, so they'll talk about them. But yeah. we actually can make stuff. We can actually make stuff. And honestly, I think anyone could. Mm. And it doesn't just apply to movies. And it doesn't just apply to animation. So um, before we keep kind of elaborating on this, James, I, you know, maybe briefly, quickly, I, I'd love to just kind of a walk through memory lane almost. We have a lot me. of history because we've been at this podcast for, gosh, three years, three and a half years. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, there's been, there's been some favorite moments. I remember the first two episodes we did, which, is our inter, uh, which was our reviews for Glass. And then hunt for the wilder people. Uh, James and I were over at my house because we, James was over here. We were going to a leadership summit event and a big conference, lots of information. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Mm -hmm. um, and we had this you know, idea of, well, we're together physically so we can share a microphone because I was the only one who had one at the time. And so we did. We were in <laughs> my parents' basement and we recorded two episodes. And the quality's not the best, but we did it. Uh, we still have photos from that day. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and I really think that we hit our stride, um, you know, uh, whenever we made season three. Yeah. I think season three was really the best of our show. So if you guys haven't listened to some of the episodes there, highly recommend it if you enjoy the show. Um, we had fresh energy. Um, we had a new concept of what we wanted the show to be. We yeah. trimmed some of the fat and it was just a, it was a fun time. Season three was really fun. We were not on the brink of burnout when we finished season three. The reason <laughs> we ended season three was so that we could start building up for season four, which we wanted to be bigger and better. So that yes. was a big high for me was just the proud work that we did in the third season. Yeah, uh, I loved I loved our two rings of power episodes in particular. Yes. Just <laughs> we did a whole episode where we were like, ah, we don't need to see the whole rings of power. Here's why. And people were like, no, you need to see it. It's really good. And it's better than you think. And then we were like, fine. So we slogged through it all. And we were right. We were right about all of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and no one was surprised. Nope. No, no one was surprised. We're always right. We never make mistakes. Never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> um, one of the things most people forget, including James and I is, uh, we had a segment called itch to pitch for season one. And it was the whole concept was, Oh, send us a movie idea or a story and let's critique it and break it down and talk about it. And, and that's when we kind of realized for better or worse, no one really thinks the way we do. <laughs> yep. Um, the only people that submitted them and no, no diss on them. I mean, thank you so much for submitting ideas. Pretty much the only people that submitted were fellow creatives. 
creative friends of ours. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we transitioned that into casual correspondence, which kind of was its own thing before we dived into our spoiler review. And then we decided to make that its own episode for season three. Can I just say casual correspondence was really excellent, but I enjoyed itch to pitch even more. Mm. I really enjoyed itch to pitch. Um, it was fun to record because <laughs> you and I could talk freely and creatively about new ideas Yeah, and we could make stuff together, you know, and that's really what the heart of, that's what we're both chasing after. You know, we want to make stuff. We want to add beauty to the world. We want to make people think in ways they haven't thought before. And itch to pitch really tapped into that. And even if you listen to our season three episodes, you see a lot of that throughout. I mean, when we were talking about a new Kung Fu Panda 4 concept that we yep. kind of fell in love with as we were making it or, you know, redoing Thor Love and Thunder or all these oh, other yeah. like anytime we review a movie that's rough, we inadvertently kind of slip into, well, let's just make this better. And yep. there's that creative instinct that never can really go away, you know? Yeah. We can never, we can never fully tear something down. We've <laughs> got to build something there in, in its place. And right. that's just an instinct that we're leaning into more, um, with the closing of this show. We have, we have new ideas. We have bigger ideas, things not on the podcast platforms, but things that we care about. I'm curious to know, looking back over our vast catalog of three years, what are, what are some of your, like, what's one of your most favorite episodes that we've ever done? Your personal favorite. <laughs> Well, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier. The Thor Love and Thunder episode, I feel like, was mm -hmm. our, our Marvel swan song. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was great. Um, I'm not saying that it was a fun one to make, but I think that that was the point where I realized we'd said everything we could say about Marvel. Yeah. And there wasn't much more we could say. And um, that's whenever I started to see a divide between moviegoers. Some people just go to see things to be entertained. Uh, some people watch movies to be challenged, to think. Um, and there is actually an interview with A.O. Scott, uh, one of the most renowned film critics in the U.S. Um, he's on The Daily, which is the Washington Post's uh, podcast. And uh, he talks about why he's stepping down from film criticism. And I think I related to a lot of the things he said that a lot of movies being made are just rehashes or sequels or franchise installments. And the fan bases of those safe installments are very defensive and very protective of their content, their, um, their characters, their stories. Um, and so critics are not well received because they're trying to talk about the film and the form of the movie. Whereas the other people just want to see Thor on screen again, you know, they don't care how. And I think that was, that was where the first inkling of like, Hmm, film criticism looks different now. And it's not that I'm getting too old for this game. It's just that I don't think I was ever cut out for it in the way that I thought I was. Hmm. Um, but I loved reworking Thor love and thunder with you, remaking it into a, into a Hercules esque, you know, Disney Hercules esque sort of movie where, Thor gets too big for his britches and he's a celebrity and, right. um, you know, Gore the God Butcher actually having good motivation and actually killing gods in the movie yeah. um, as he was supposed to. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were some really cool ideas in there that I can't even recall at this point, but 
Yeah. I want to see that movie. And Daniel, I think you and I together could make something like that. You yeah. Know? And it's fun. It's fun to talk creatively because whenever we would break down these movies, and I think the way you worded it was excellent, James, ripping it down, but not just leaving it in the ashes, but just you, we can't help but build something up in its stead. Yep. That's, that's who we are. And there's always been a bittersweet element because whenever the high, when we're riding the high of making something new, we have to come to reality and realize, oh, wait, no, that's not, we didn't make that. So we've got no control over that. Um, right. It's already I out. I wish we could make something. And and here's the thing, guys. Um, we will never stop being passionate about movies. No. This isn't a, oh, we've deconstructed our criticism and we're bad for having done that. We regret that. No, no. We're so glad we made <laughs> Casually Critical. I'm so glad I got to tr- talk trash about Illumination's complacent storytelling. I'm so glad that I got to show people what Marvel really is, which is an aimless directionless pander fest i'm so glad that we could talk about severance and talk yes. about how it's such a triumph in storytelling and how there needs to be more and how the writers need to come to some sort of compromise with hollywood so that they can start writing the show and continue its production because gosh season two of severance i just cannot wait louder for the people in the back James. yes yes, yes. The first time we ever agreed on something, the first time we gave it both a five out of five. It oh, was man. beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. I do not regret having realized that Stranger Things season four has the most bloated, most overdone, <laughs> most overly complicated season finale that I've ever seen. Is it bad? No. But is the length good? No. Heavens <laughs> no. It is too much. It is too much. I don't regret having done any of this. So I don't want you to think that, oh, man, Daniel and James regret this. No, this is not an apology video. We are not sorry for the <laughs> podcast that we have done. But we are taking that energy, that focus, that passion, and we are turning it in a direction to something that we can actually start making things that go against or avoid the things that we have been so upset about. Instead of Thor Love and Thunder, we can make our own superhero content that is going to be a better alternative. And here's the thing. It may not be. We might make <laughs> crap at first, but we're going to learn. We're going to get better. And it's time to start not just having the buck end at criticism, but have criticism be a catalytic event that results in us creating something that has been better for us having right. had that conversation. As opposed to the critical mindset inhibiting us from creating something in the first place. Exactly. Because uh, exactly. that's what it's been doing to me. And I know that's what it's been doing to you. Um, on In lieu of that, uh, Daniel, do you want to share what one of your favorite episodes from our catalog is? Okay, so mine is definitely our first casual correspondence episode in a weird way, right? Because we were just talking about itch to pitch. I think what I loved is the fact that our fans, it was what our fans wanted to hear. You know, mm-hmm. these are questions they wanted to know from us. And uh it's one of our most listened to episodes in that season. Uh, that's not why I like it, but I, that helps because people liked what we had to say. People cared about it. And yeah. I think in the process of that, we really found our why at the end of that episode, because someone was just straight up like, why did you make this podcast? Why did you start this podcast? Well, we started it because, and James, you actually said this, and I quote you here, uh, we expect more from the media people consume. Hmm. 
And as a close second, of course, my one of my second all-time favorites is our God's Not Dead 4 episode. It's called God's Not Dead 4 and the Pitfalls of Christian Films. Um, Go listen. That, and I love and I hate that. I love that because Dan was on as our guest, and that was a really fun conversation. It really threw off our rhythm, but in the best way, because it was a different perspective. It was a different voice, and I just loved kind of walking through his knowledge of theology and just his passion for seeing it done well um, and his passion for good film as well, mirroring our own, which was really great. But then also the other downside of that was just God's not dead for awoken something in me, this anger (laughs) that I still have not fully gotten over. If I'm being honest (laughs) with you, because to take, I gotta be careful. I'm not going down another rabbit trail to take bad Typically bad Christian storytelling. I'm sorry, guys. We haven't done a good job of making good stuff. Not yet. James and I will help fix that someday. Uh, (laughs) Aside from just that, we have taken mediocre storytelling. We have added the politics of religious nationalism into it. Holy cow. (laughs) I didn't think it could get worse than that. We are ending this podcast with God's Not Dead 4 having won our worst movie reigning champion. And I think that's okay. I think that makes sense. Because holy cow, what a terrible, terrible movie it was. So, but I really enjoyed talking about it, ripping it apart and roasting it. And uh, that's definitely up there. I've got an honorable mention too. Go for it. Um, Something that I thought of, The Sea Beast. Um, Mm. It awoken something in me that I think is really important and we'll we'll come back to later. But um, looking at the way we talk to children in our films, um, that really sparked something in me that drove me to want to make things better for our future generations, better media for them to consume, better narratives that empower them, but also leave room for them to respect people that aren't themselves Mm. and give them the, the permission to be dependent on other people because the sea beast and other children's movies love to boast that the child saves themselves, the child possesses the knowledge to save the world. But that's just not reality. That's not reality. That's not the Christian framework. Um, We need each other. And whether it's your parents or your guardians or whoever, um, we can't just... Rebellion does not equal success. And the generation that's being molded out of that mindset is is really something. I don't want to get too far down the weeds like you. Like you said, Daniel, <laughs> I could go down a rabbit trail here, but But it is it is putting too much on the next generation's shoulders. Yes. It's saying, "Hey, you fix this." Exactly. It it leaves no room for self-accountability. It leaves no room for us to point the fingers at ourselves and saying, "We need to do better. We need yep. to improve." Every time someone has said, "You need to do better," it's always "You need to do better" and not "I need to do better." And I think we need to start embracing humility and go down that path. But yes, like you, I need to restrain from going too far down the rabbit hole. But I totally agree. Because we love to talk about movies and we can't stop. Uh, Look at us go. (laughs) Well, Daniel, we've talked a lot about the things that we're ending, but what are the new things that we're starting? What are you working on, man? I So I haven't really talked about my story much on this podcast. Doesn't matter. All you need to know is (laughs) um, part of the reason I moved to Fort Wayne from California is I felt like God has been calling me into this area. And the longer I have spent in the Fort Wayne area, the more solidified in that calling I have felt. The more excited 
about the creatives in this area. This area is growing. The city is expanding. The opportunities are only increasing. But I see a large underground community of artists and creatives that I am very excited about, and I'm looking for ways to pour in and unify them. One of, my, uh, one of the things about me that I feel called to that someone pointed out recently has caused me to kind of uh, change my own personal mission statement. I don't just make storytelling and creative things for fun. I do it to bring people together. And so with my latest project, that's what I'm doing. It's a short film. I don't want to get too much into it, but it kind of, it, it, it talks about innocence versus corruption. And uh, I'm very excited, not just for the story, though the story is pretty exciting uh, when I finally finish it, which James has been walking me through. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I am the most excited, actually, for the premiere, because everyone who has contributed a little bit of time and effort will get to see this big film that they got to help. And I, I'm just so excited. Uh, movie nights like that get my adrenaline pumping in a way that nothing does and and i'm so pumped for it how about you james what are you working on i also haven't really shared my story a whole lot um but it's been a rough journey being an artist uh it's always hard for everybody and everyone's journey Preach. is unique Preach. um but uh back in october i got contracted to illustrate two different picture books for two different authors one of them is called uh, should I say this? Yeah, I'll say it on air. Who cares? One of them is called <laughs> He Meant You to Be You, and it's about children on the autism spectrum and about how God sees them and loves them for who they are and throughout their mm. day. Um, and it's really cute. And it's written by my good friend, JJ Levan. She lives in Ohio, and she found me through the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. So keep track, um, keep in touch with me via my Instagram. Um, I'll be sharing more about that soon hopefully posting some some screenshots, some reels, some little bits of illustrations. The other one is called The Tale of Salvatore and Cecilia, and it is a fantasy journey about the story of the gospel mm. and about uh, Christ's sacrificial love for the church. And that is written by Adam Garner, um, a recent friend of mine who's living in Muncie. And uh, he's making a film going alongside that, which I will also be promoting uh, alongside the picture book. Um, in addition to that, I have a, a young adult book that I'm writing about troll monsters in the 1950s uh, high school setting. It's really weird. Um, think about, uh, I guess, troll hunters meets, uh, what's the Jughead comic called? Riverdale. <laughs> um, it's not called Riverdale, the original comic, but anyway, think about that. Sure. Uh, and then uh, I have two picture books of my own that I'm writing um, that I'm trying to get picked up by agents and I'm trying to get published. So, um, like I said, just keep track of me on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and I also have a TikTok that I started recently, so you'll be hearing more from me there. But <laughs> those things set a fire in my belly. Like I said about the sea beast, we need to be respecting our children more and um Respecting them for the amazing brains that they have been given and not just dumping content into their open mouths, um, but giving them stuff to chew on. Yeah. Yeah. You can also catch me and my exploits on my Instagram. Uh, both of our Instagrams will be on our bio on our casually critical Instagram. So you can check that out. Um, and I will also try to leave them in the description of this episode as well. And if you wouldn't mind sharing our websites too, just for the sake of plugging 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we also have uh, websites as well where you can check out our stuff and our recent adventures and exploits as well. Um, I have some other projects as well in the cooker, but it's a little too far out to say what exactly they look like or when exactly they'll be released. But uh, we are both excited to have more time on our hands to to work on these great things. Yeah. Um, we are, if you've looked at your timestamp, we are reaching the end of our episode. And um, if you'll allow us... We have done this series for three years of our lives, uh, which is not 30, but it's also not a short time either. It's a lot more than most people we know that have done podcasts. <laughs> and so um, uh, if you'll allow us, uh, well, we don't really care. Um, this is our show <laughs> and we can do <laughs> whatever the heck we want. Hey, if they're yeah. still listening, they will allow us. Yes. They, uh, they we, give a rip and I appreciate it. We would like to dedicate this show to some people that have meant a lot to us. So James, if you wouldn't mind going first. Well, I'm going to start with the obvious, which is, um, me, Daniel Carpenter. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to start with, um, our good friend, Joseph Landon, uh, Mm. who inspired us to, I'm getting emotional, who inspired us to make season three. Um, We've shared the story before, but we were walking down the road in my hometown. Joseph Landon comes rolling by on his rollerblades and says, hey, what happened to Casually Critical? I used to love listening to that show while I was working in the back room in Walmart. And we said, we need to make the show again. And so we did. Thank you, Joseph. I'm going to shout out uh, our good friend, Phil. Uh, I don't know how he would feel about me saying his full name on the air, but uh, Phil is currently a member of our Dungeons and Dragons group. Yes, we play that. Please do not think lower of us. Um, <laughs> Phil, I don't know. He said uh, a small aside when I was first joining the group that he listened to our Toy Story 4 review and it caused him to change his mind about how he felt and saw the movie. Um, so, Phil, thank you for sharing. Because of you, uh, I learned that this podcast actually affects people. And affected you and uh, in a way that I'm assuming was good. (laughs) But um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks, Phil. I second what he says, Phil. You're a great guy. Um, Mm. In lieu of that, uh, shout out to the rest of our D&D group. I just love those guys so much. (laughs) You guys Uh, are awesome. Emily and Jacob, uh, they have their own podcast called Cinema Crush. Go listen to it. we love talking about movies with them. Sometimes we spend the first 45 minutes of our D&D session just talking about movies <laughs> and other random crap going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, Emily and Jacob, thank you so much for your constant support. You always submitted Itch to Pitch. You always submitted casual correspondence. You're always listening to the show, talking about our new episodes. And shout out to Carly also. Thank you just for your continual support. You guys are so great, and you've been adult life is rocky after graduation and you guys have been that consistency that I've really needed. Yeah. So thank you so much guys. This is more of a blanket. Thanks. Thank you to everyone who's talked to me about the podcast. Uh, I don't, I'm working on self-promotion. I don't like bringing up our podcast because I don't want to come across like, I got a podcast. You should check it out. You know? Um, but everyone that is, that has gone out of their way to say to me or to say to James, we love your podcast. Thank you for making it. Or even just a little thing about our episodes. Um, as I said, in season three, 
one of the hardest things about making something is you don't know what it's like to experience it. You don't know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. Uh, you just know what it's like to birth the thing, which is painful and difficult and hard. And for all of you that have supported us, that have listened to us at one point, even if it's just one episode, even if it's just one minute, thank yep. you for giving us your time. And thank you for giving us your support. I should also mention, uh, while he's in my brain, another friend of ours, Nathan. Nathan, yes, you I was have... going to say him next. <laughs> Dang it. You rock, Nate. Um, Nathan, you're awesome. You have also been a huge supporter of our podcast, uh, giving feedback. He sent us a while ago, he sent us this sheet of notes he was taking about what we were saying, um, which was very touching. and. The fact that you have been as passionate as you have been about what we have done has gone a long way. Um, and I don't know if you know that, Nathan, but now you do. And it's now in, in immortality here on this show. So from the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you. And I don't know if I don't know if I ever told you this, Daniel, but Nate, he tried to promote our podcast to his friends in law school. What? Uh, his friends in law school. He'd just tell them about <laughs> it and he'd be like, listen to it. Tr trust me. It's great. Oh, my and, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um you get it, Nate. You get the critical thinking bit. You're a lawyer. You know <laughs> what it's like to look in the nitty gritty and be critical about it. And I really appreciate all the feedback you've given us on the way that we present our arguments and the logic therein. That is just such a fascinating world, one that I will never be as deeply immersed in as you are. But I thank you so much for your feedback and your constant support for the show. After every episode, you're sending a text saying, here's my thoughts. Here's what I liked. Yeah. Um, here's where I disagree. That's just awesome. So thank you so much. I would also like to shout out Dan. Dan was our first ever guest on our show and he was in the aforementioned God's not dead Four review. Dan, when I think about you, I am so happy and yet so sad because you feel so strongly about movies and you were so bummed that we did not invite you to guest on our, the Batman review. <laughs> and uh, I love hearing all the things you said about it. I do wish we had you as a guest for that as well. I am so sorry that we uh, that the <laughs> first and only time you were on the show was our God's <laughs> Not Dead 4 review. Because while I do not regret what you had to say, I do regret that it was your first and only episode. So uh, I wish I wish we could have better used you. Um, but thank you in particular, you for your love and support. Uh, your passion of movies helps me and James. It reminds us why we make this kind of stuff. And more importantly, it reminds us that our passions are not in vain, that this energy that we have spent on the show, this energy that we exert making art is not in vain because of people like you that remind us, I care, I see it, and I appreciate it. So thank you for pushing us to excellence. Another shout out to our other guests. Um, we wanted to have more guests uh, in the future, but yeah. we only had two and we're really grateful for you guys. Abby, thank you so much for coming and talking about She-Hulk with us. Thank you for bringing a unique perspective. Thank you for your lengthy email that you sent us yeah. after our Multiverse of Madness review came out. And just all the great things that you had to say about Marvel and marketing and just the way those things intersect um, that was a great question to pose to us in our casual correspondence, and it led to you guesting for our She-Hulk episode, and I really appreciate your time and your insight 
and just the new point of view that you bring to the table, um, not just as a female, because you were our first and only female guest, but also because you just have a different mindset of things. You've you've read a lot more Marvel comics. You have a lot more to say about it um, outside of just the movies and shows themselves. And um, yeah, you have a huge heart for making stuff. And I just want to encourage you here as I thank you sincerely. I want you to I want to I want you to make something. I'd love to see what you're making, Abby. So thanks for your contribution. And I'd love to see what you're you've been up to. And and finally, from me, just a blanket dedication to all of you who've listened and supported us. I already said this earlier, so uh, you already know you've been seen. Uh, my worry is that someone's like, I said this to you and you didn't acknowledge this on the dedication. And I just want to say for you, I hope you don't exist. But if you do, so sorry. We, uh, we decided this was the direction we wanted to go with the show very last minute. And yeah. so we wanted to put this episode out because we did promise you season four on this date. And here it is. <laughs> it may not be the season four you expected, but this is the season four you'll get. And so uh, if we did not shout you out or forgot your name, please know that our hearts do not forget you. And as cheesy as it sounds, it is true. I'm sorry. We love you. And thank you so much for your support. I wanted to have one closing thought before Go we for it. before we ended. Um, I think really to kind of summarize what Daniel and I have been getting at is that criticism is no substitute for creativity. And yeah, um, we know that everybody listening to this show has the ability to make something. And we also know that everybody in this world is being pushed to criticize everything. And so I want to challenge you guys, if there's any single takeaway from this podcast, anything at all, I want to challenge you guys to say, today I'm not going to complain about the new Illumination movie on Twitter. That's what I would do. Let me think of something more broad. I'm going to complain about the newest season of Survivor on my Facebook group. I don't know. Instead, I want to encourage you to look at the failings of the things you consume, whether it is in the political sphere, whether it is in content creators, online influencers, um, public figures, uh, movies, comics, TV shows, books, all those things. Take those things, look at the gifts that you've been given, and make something better. Add something to the world. That's that's what I want to encourage you to do. We never really got to challenge you to make something until this episode, and I feel like that's that's really where our hearts are. We we love to make things, and we think all of you can make something great. Yeah. My final thought. Oh gosh, Whew. it's too soon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, How can we continue this episode forever? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hmm. Got another three hours on you. Um, <laughs> your butt comfortable in that chair, James? <laughs> <laughs> so cozy. Um, the worst thing you can do when you walk out of a movie theater is to shrug and go whatever. The worst thing you can do when you engage with art is to consume it, throw away the bones or whatever's left, and move on to the next dish. I think one of the greatest gifts in our culture that God has given us that's available is silence 
because it's really powerful. The more I have learned and understood people, the more I have realized they hate silence. If you want someone to talk more in a conversation, here's a free tip. Don't say anything. Weaponize the awkwardness and just stare at them and nod. And they will say more. And uh, with a movie, you'd be surprised what happens if you linger in your seat for just a moment after the credits start to roll. Or in the case of a Marvel movie, uh, the silence as you walk out of a theater when the credits are, are done <laughs> and the post-credit scene's been seen, you know, and you're going to your car. Um, so much of my worries about movies can stem down into people don't think enough about them. And, uh, and that worries me because storytellers do so much that they get away with that no one really seems to care about. I've seen that not just with movies, but with the churches people attend, the foods people eat, the opinions people say just because some celebrity they say said it. There's not enough lingering in the quiet and considering it. And I wish more people did that. And so, yeah, to echo what you're saying, James, go make something. <laughs> Doesn't have to be a movie. Could be a painting. Could be. Uh, a fun, creative way to do a movie. I think the way you said it was uh, in our God's Not Dead 4 episode, James, is that anyone can be creative. You know, your wife with her teaching, you with your writing, me with my movies. Yep. Anyone could be creative. And so go out, make something creative, and have fun. Man, this is hard. You got this, man. Well, everybody. You've been listening to Casually Critical, the podcast show starring two pals who love to talk about storytelling. I've been your host, James Newton. And I've been Daniel Carpenter, your co-host. Now, go create something. <laughs>